submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Now, uh, we began a series a few weeks ago on the subject of humility, dealing with humility, talking about, as we say, as kind of a paradox, descending higher. Uh, Because the biblical way for us to be promoted, for us to be lifted or exalted or go higher, is to uh, take a personal lower position in our own minds of of our own selves. And that's not to diminish or demote anything that we have in Christ, but it's to acknowledge that without Him that we are nothing. And, uh, and with Him we can do all things. And that proper perspective sets us up for God to be able to lift us up. All right. If I allow pride to operate in my life, if I allow those attitudes and thoughts to remain, then God's plan for me really can't come to pass in the fullness of what He designed and desired because he can't lift pride. It's against who he is, his very nature, his character, and all the principles of the kingdom. He can't promote the proud person, all right? The proud person gets demoted while the humble person gets promoted. And that's why the scripture says here that we are to be clothed with humility, all right? It ought to be the attitude that that, that governs our lives and how we deal with others, how we think about ourselves. And that's uh, and like we've shared with you already, a humble attitude is a real uh, attitude. It's, it's a, it, it's, it has a clear perspective of reality, all right? Uh, it's, it's not the kind of attitude that, you know, that beats itself down and that will not accept or acknowledge any positive traits about themselves. It just sees things clearly, whereas the person who operates in pride, um, they have this cloud of smoke around them. They, 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 they become deceived um, as to what's real and what's not real, and they have this false idea, and they become high-minded. Now, of course, when we, whenever we talk about these issues, uh, they are to our benefit, all right? What do I mean by that? If I can identify pride in myself, well, that's not fun. It's not pretty. Uh, but it's to my benefit because if I don't see it, I can't do anything about it. If I don't recognize that it's there, I'll keep trudging along wondering where my promotion is. Wondering why I'm not, I'm not on the rise in life. Wondering why I'm, 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 you know, hanging out or going down. But if I see it, even though it, you know, my give me a bad taste in my mouth at first, at least I can see it. It's kind of like the value of a mirror. Huh? <laughs> say, well, the proud, they love mirrors. Well, they do. <laughs> but listen, the one who wants to be clothed with humility takes value in a mirror too. Do you know that? It's kind of like naturally speaking, if, uh, if, I have a, if I don't ever look in a mirror, there could be all kinds of things about me that, I don't realize they're there, and I don't really want to go out in public, or I wouldn't if I knew they were there. You know, if I find I have food on this cheek and, you know, a little bit of uh, dirt smudge over here on this side, and, you know, I got stuff on my clothes or something's torn. You know, if I don't ever have a mirror or can't see something, well, I avoid the opportunity to fix what's wrong. But it is wrong whether I know it's there or not. It's there whether I see it or not. And the thing is, oftentimes, what I don't see, everybody else sees. Right? You know, it's like it's like that person you know, and 
you know, you just really didn't want to tell them their zipper was down, but you kind of you kind of hope they would see it themselves, right? <laughs> uh, you got a uh, uh, never mind. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but but you know, there's there's value in recognizing and seeing things about ourselves that are not pleasant. Again, to the intent that we can alter them and remove them and change them to make ourselves presentable a lot of people have been going out in public and they got pride all over them they're clothed with the haughty spirit and the proud look and they, they've just been walking around thinking everything's good and everyone around goes oh sheesh because they're full of themselves and it's a de- it's a deterrent to a good relationship it's a hindrance this way and this way Right? The Lord told us this way, big time, man. If you, you come before the Lord with a proud look, man, he despises that. Okay? We're not going to get very far if we approach things that way. And so uh, last time, last couple uh, times in our weekend services, we've been dealing with uh, particular issues, manifestations, you might call them, or symptoms of pride. Because it's one thing to resist or accept the notion that pride is bad and humility is good. Okay, we've, we've, we've demonstrated that through the Word of God. But it's a whole other thing to recognize how pride creeps its ugly head up. And, uh, and that's what we're trying to do. And so we've been giving these different symptoms of pride so that we can recognize it and therefore deal with it. I want to continue along those lines today and share with you uh, a little bit more. And, and here, here's another one. I don't know if I've been giving you numbers, but uh, I'll just call this another one in your numbered list. <laughs> it's actually eight in my list, but I've been throwing extras in all along, so I, my numbers kind of went out the window. Okay, But here's another way that pride will show up in people's lives, and that is by being unteachable, unbending, and unchanging. The proud person is unteachable. A proud person is unbending and unchanging. Certainly, there, there, there should be something that we would all be willing to do if we want to grow, and that is change, right? If I am unwilling to change, I have cut myself off from improvement. If I'm unwilling to change, to make adjustments, I've cut myself off from growth, all right? But only the person who does everything right, who has perfect knowledge and understanding, who has perfect thought life, perfect motives, attitudes at all times, well, I guess they don't need to change. But I haven't met that person yet, right? Uh, And so any of us who fall short in any area, as far as we have growth opportunities, we should be interested in change, interested in adjustment, in being taught but the proud person their pride keeps them from learning anything new why they don't need to learn anything new they know everything already in their own estimation their own opinion of themselves they already know everything they're already right about everything and uh, pride is one of those things that always justifies itself it loves to make excuses no matter what went wrong or what happened it wasn't their fault it was some other reason. It was something beyond their control, or it was somebody else. And, and uh, 
you know, frequently the proud person will totally ruin an opportunity for a, a good apology. Because if they fail in some way or if they, uh, you know, they fail to follow through on something they said to somebody else to do or show up for someone, instead of immediately coming and saying, you know what, uh, you know, I, I let you down, I blew it, forgive me. Um, they might let those words out of their mouth, but they're immediately followed by, but uh, the reason was, and then they'll list all kinds of explanations on why they couldn't do what they promised you they would do, why they fell short, and how many know that ruins a perfectly good apology, <laughs> doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's either you couldn't control it, or you could, and if you couldn't control it, you don't really need to apologize. But if you could control it and you just fail, that's when we apologize. How many know the kingdom of God and our relationship with God is both the initial part, being saved, and then walking with Him, is predicated on uh, us being in agreement with Him on this, on this main issue, right? It has to do with sin and wrongdoing. I must say the same thing about it that the Lord says, okay, in two areas. One, I must say about sin that it is sin I must call wrong wrong sin sin if I don't do that uh, I'm not ever going to be in agreement with the Lord but I also must say this about sin that it has been dealt with it has been defeated it has been abolished from my life in Christ alright I mean no both of those things are, are critical. If I miss it on either side of those, I can't really walk with God. I mean, if I don't acknowledge that sin is sin, if I don't call it what it is, well, then I'm just totally uh, on a different page than the Lord. But even if I do that, if I call a sin sin, if I call it wrong, if I acknowledge and take responsibility, but then don't, say about it what the Lord says about it, that it's been washed away, that it has been defeated, it has been dealt with, then I'm still in trouble. Everybody with me on that? Okay? And, and, and so we've got to be in agreement with the Lord on, the, on those issues. And the same thing is true concerning any other area of our life. Uh, we acknowledge what's wrong, and we don't make excuse for it. Excuses, again, that's the proud person. Because ultimately, ultimately, it wasn't their fault. Ultimately, there was nothing I can do. And if there's nothing you can do about it, there's no reason to apologize. But if, there, if it really was your fault, then you apologize and you get forgiven. Okay? And so again, the proud person is unchanging, unbending. They are unteachable. Uh, humility will apologize. When's the last time you admitted to being wrong? been a while huh <laughs> that long huh uh, well I think it, it's uh, important that we learn to that we learn to be moved by the Lord I'm movable by him not in the sense of uh, I move away from standards of print or principles but a lot of people they just simply won't be moved in life nothing will move them why they're, they're proud all right.
you know, you're not going to get me to, or that, you know, that preacher's not going to get me to lift, lift my hand. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> you know, I've heard people say, you know, when they come into, into meetings where people were being prayed for, and sometimes, you know, the power of God will come upon a person in such a way where it overwhelms their physical body, and they, uh, they leave their vertical position. <laughs> right? And, uh, and people say, bless God, I'm not, uh, that's not going to happen to me. If I get prayed for, bless God, I'm not going to fall. <laughs> okay. Uh, but you might want to ask the question, why do you have such a rotten attitude about it? <laughs> huh? I mean, because here, here's the deal. Not the, not the timber. Uh, that's not the big deal. But it is the pride of one's heart that keeps them from receiving from, from, from God. You know, if you're unyielding, unchanging, un bendable nothing will move you god can't move you bless god i'm not going to act like some people why not because you're too good you're concerned what someone else might think you might lose your status your image you're a legend in your own mind you know you might lose some of that we've got to ask ourselves the question why won't i do whatever it is or why do I do the things that I do? But I need to be the, I need to be one who is committed to being altered. God can He can deal with me and change me. You know, like the soft piece of clay or the hard piece of clay. Which one would more describe your life? Are you flexible and pliable? Can can, can you be altered? If something new, a new thought comes your way, a new idea. A new concept that goes against the way you've always been. Is there a willingness, a yieldedness to say, you know what? I might need to do some changing here. Or is it, well, that's not the way I see it. Well, so, I mean, have we ever been wrong about something? I've, been, I've changed about a lot of things, and I'm, I'm praying the Lord will continue to show me areas that I need to make adjustments in, okay? Because when he does, you know, that's a positive thing. Because he's always going to lead us into better, lead us into greater, lead us, lead us into more. But the proud heart can't receive. The proud person is not a good receiver. Uh, the, the proud person, even when we talk about forgiveness, there are some that they feel so bad about their sin, so bad about their, their wrongdoing. And, you know, that's a good start. It's better than the person that's, that says, ah, there's nothing wrong with me. You know, I'm all right. But they feel so bad about themselves that they won't even receive forgiveness from the Lord. They feel like, well, no, I just need to bear the brunt of this because I really blew it and, I've, man, I've messed up and, uh, and I just need to suffer for it. Well, listen, it's good that you acknowledge sin, but the Lord, you need to also acknowledge His mercy. But the proud person won't receive God's mercy, won't receive God's grace. They basically want to maintain their position of wrongness, and they feel satisfied that they feel bad about their situation. But the Lord wants to lift us up. See, a proud person doesn't like to receive, even naturally. Sometimes uh, a, a person that won't receive gifts from others. You know, if someone comes to them and gives them uh, something nice, something maybe expensive, they'll be like, oh, no, no, I can't take that. No, that's too much. I can't take what, you're too good for that? 
Well, no, I, I mean, I, I don't want any handouts. You don't want any handouts? Everything you have is a handout. If you saw it in, in truth. Huh? Well, I work for everything I have. No, you don't. <laughs> That's a deception, man. Pride deceives. You don't work for everything you have. I don't work for everything. Maybe I work, but again, again, we saw before a few weeks ago, it was the grace of God that even allowed me to work. Gave me the brains to get up out of the bed and put my socks on. Huh? And let's stop acting like it's all me. Everything I have, I, I did it. I accomplished it. I worked hard. Proud thing. My pride is not a good receiver. And uh, we should be very good at giving. And we should be very good at receiving. Amen. Only time, only time I might uh, decline a gift from someone is if I thought maybe it was ulterior motives. I thought there was something wrong in the way that it was given. It wasn't given with a genuine heart. Other than that, I, I want to practice being a good receiver. Yeah. One is because, hey, if the Lord wants to bless me, bring it. I believe it. I see it in the Word. I practice it. But you know the other side of that? If someone is giving. I don't want to rob someone the opportunity of giving to me. Hmm. And if they're willing, I mean, what do I know that God didn't speak to them and deal with them and they're taking a major step of faith and I'm going to get in the way of that? That's not a good good, good plan. But again, the proud person, they, they have a hard time. You know, some, some feel like, well, I don't want to owe anybody anything. I just, I don't want to feel like I owe you. Or one, the person shouldn't be given it with that in, intent anyway. And so stop acting like it. Two, what's the big problem with that? Okay, let's go to 1 Samuel 15. See, pride is, is not good at taking instructions. It's not good at, 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 at following uh, a predetermined plan. The pride, pride kind of comes up with its own way of doing everything. You know, if you're asked to do something by someone, let's say uh, maybe at work, superior of yours asks you to do a project, do it, and they give you the, the way, the design, the plan for it, you come up with your own way of doing it because your way was better. You've always got the, the, uh, the, the proud person always has a superior way of approaching everything, of dealing with everything. Anybody having fun yet? That kind of stuff happens happens even more in volunteer situations. Like uh, church. <laughs> like ministries where so much of ministry is done on a volunteer basis. Well, sometimes people feel a little extra liberty if they're not being paid for something too. They feel like, well, I'm just going to do this the way that I want to do it. I've got a better idea. I've got a better way. That's ugly stinking pride. Pride doesn't know how to follow instructions. I remember we were putting some carpet in an office, not here, uh, not in this building, uh, putting some carpet in an office, and uh, it was designed, you know, certain type of carpet, certain way it was going in, and uh, and the the carpet guy who was in the church, uh, the carpet guy decided that he had a, a better idea. And he did some extra stuff. Supposedly it was more expensive. 
but he just did all this other all this extra stuff and put some other things in there and uh, and I don't know I guess acted surprised when he found out that the person who asked him to do it didn't want it that way and was taken back like oh I did this extra I know but you didn't follow the instructions you were asked to do it a certain way and you took it upon yourself because you thought your way was superior your way was better to just do it a different way and you see how you see how uh, in in church stuff the people that are carnal and proud they get irritated by that kind of thing they take offense to that what you didn't like the way I did it well um, no yeah, but, I, you know, I mean, I did that extra for you. That was a gift, but, but you weren't asked to do it that way. Why did you take it upon yourself to do it differently than what you were asked? Whether that's at work, whether that's wherever you go. I mean, if, if, you're, if your heart is to serve somebody and to do something for them, uh, why take offense if they don't like it? Well, I did all this for you, and you don't even like it. <laughs> but I thought you were doing it for them. Oh, well, uh, hope we're having fun so far. Just helping you to see how these little attitudes, these, these issues of pride crop up in people. And we, and we cut right down to the chase and get to the purity of this, this stuff. Why are we doing what we're doing? And so many times we're doing it for the wrong motive. We're doing it for ourselves. We're doing it so they'll go, wow, with what you gave with what you did I want them to be impressed with my gift or my service or my generosity or whatever it is and and, and we shouldn't be approaching it that way let the service stand on its own I want to be a blessing to you I want to serve you I want to help you I want to give to you if I give to you you know if I give to you my nicest shirt and uh, it's expensive and I, I just wanted to bless you with it what if you don't like it should I have my feelings hurt? No. Not if my true heart, my genuine motive was just to give something to you. Only thing I might think was maybe I ought to think through what they might like better. But to take offense at something that I initiated and they didn't necessarily appreciate or, or like, no, I just need to adjust my giving, I guess. I want to be a blessing and put a smile on their face. They're not happy with it. No need for me to turn on them. Well, why don't you like this? Well, I just don't. <laughs> you want me to lie? Okay, I like it. Not really. <laughs> All right, let's go back to the Bible, I guess. One of the things that pride won't receive, all in connection with this being unteachable and bending and unchanging, is pride won't receive correction. Pride does not receive correction. Again, it comes from and stems from that root of I'm always right. Stems from the root of I already, I already know better. Um, and, and therefore, again, it won't receive correction. Humility continues to learn, to grow, to train, to study, uh, to practice. But pride won't be taught. It won't change. There'll be no growth. In 1 Samuel, uh, there was a situation here with uh, king Saul, he was the first king of Israel, and Saul had some issues, but he, he, he was given instruction, he was told by 
the Lord through the prophet uh, that they were going to take out the Amalekites. They were going to battle. They were going to war. And he was given instructions on how to deal with this. We won't go into the details of why the Amalekites were so bad and needed to be removed. Uh, but they did. Um, and uh, he was given instructions to wipe them out completely. Obliterate them from the face of the earth, including their pets, <laughs> including the cattle. I mean, basically, gone. Take them out as if they're no longer they never existed. All right. Uh, let's just start in verse 9. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utter, utterly destroy them. They were what? Unwilling. They could, what did they do? Well, first we could say they didn't follow instructions. Saul didn't do what the Lord told him to do. He just couldn't follow a simple plan. He came up with a better idea right in the middle of it. They were out there by the power of God. But God's favor was on their side. They won the battle, and they could have followed through on the Lord's instructions. But, in, but midstream, they thought, you know what? I got a better idea. Watch out if you have a better idea than the Lord. They were unwilling to utterly destroy them, but, every, but everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. Verse 10, now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me. That's a bummer when the Lord said, I, I wish I wouldn't have put you there. <laughs> when the Lord said, I should have picked somebody else. If he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments... Notice following the Lord is not just about saying I'm a Christian. Following the Lord is not just about uh, doing a few Christian activities. It's about obedience. That's, what, that's how our, our following is demonstrated. That's how it's revealed in us. It is because we do what he wants us to do. He said he's not performed my commandments and it grieved Samuel and he cried, he cried out to the Lord all night. Now there's a revelation there. It, the Lord was unhappy and Samuel cried about it. That's interesting that he was so in touch with what the Lord wanted that when God's will was not accomplished in Saul, Samuel was so disturbed by that. I wonder how many times the Lord could be disturbed with what's happening around us, what's happening uh, in our lives, and we live oblivious to it. Almost, the Lord's not happy with it, but we just go on our merry way. This, that's, that's pretty powerful there. So verse 12, so when Samuel arose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel, saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed he set up a monument for himself. That seems interesting there, too. <laughs> Do you set up monuments for yourself? And, and he has gone uh, on around, passed by, and gone down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Remember one of the things that pride does? It deceives. Pride keeps people from seeing the truth. And that's right out of Saul's mouth. Hey, man of God. Hey, prophet. Blessed of the Lord. I just got done doing the word of God. He did? Uh, verse 14, but Samuel said, What then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God and and the rest we have utterly destroyed 
Notice he's already pointing fingers, isn't he? Who did that? The people did it. He said, well, they, well, they brought them for a sacrifice. Well, that's interesting. Why don't they use their own animals for a sacrifice? Oh. Well, that's another, that's another message about offerings, isn't it? <laughs> well, I'll give what doesn't cost me. I remember what King David said one time. He said, I will not give to the Lord something that costs me nothing. If I'm not giving up anything, it's not a true offering. Oh, I'm not even going to miss this. Then you ought to give something you do miss. Hmm. You know, I'm not real fond of and, and using the phrase, you know, give till it hurts. <laughs> like I've heard some say. But I would say this. If our offerings, we never feel them, are they really an offering? I mean, you know, whenever there's a sacrifice, something dies. Well, that's a whole other message there. Verse 16, uh, then Samuel said to, said to Saul, shut up. I mean, well, pretty much. He said, be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said, speak on. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? When you were what? Little in your own eyes. Does that mean he was little in everyone else's eyes? No. He said, but when you were little in your eyes, your own eyes, weren't you at the top? Weren't you promoted and exalted? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? What's the answer? Because he was no longer little in his own eyes. He He was now calling the shots. He was now making his own decisions. He now had good plans. He, he, he had experience in, in leadership. He had, had kingly experience. And now he's able to make some of these decisions on his own. He said, why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. He's still holding to this. Sheep, meh, meh. They're all in the background. <laughs> He's hearing all this noise. I did it. I did everything the Lord said to do. Meh. Uh, and Saul said to Samuel, but I, uh, again, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek, and I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people, what does pride like to do? Point, some, point the finger at somebody else. Doesn't want to take responsibility for for its own actions. Wants to blame. Well, this is why I did this. Well, this is why you hear the sheep. It's the people. The people took the plunder of sheep and oxen, the best of the uh, of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, "Has the Lord has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord?" Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. What did he do? He got big in his own eyes, and he got demoted. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in the words, because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. And so Saul had an issue with people, it would appear. But he took it upon him, using that as an excuse, to make his own decisions about life, to call his own shots, to override the will of the Lord, because I've got a plan. 
I've got a better way. Pride doesn't listen to instructions very well. It doesn't follow the right. It doesn't follow the plan of God. Amen. There was another person. In fact, look over there with me real quick to Genesis 4. See, if, if I'm really walking in humility, what am I going to do? I am going to be changeable. I am going to be able to be corrected. How do you respond when correction comes? I'll say, someone says, well, I'm an adult. I don't need to be corrected anymore. That's for children. <laughs> well, remember First John, how he always said, my little children, right, by inspiration of the Lord? Let's compare ourselves with the Lord God. We're all kids, right? I mean, think about it in, in that light. Uh, and as kids, we're growing. As kids, we need instruction. As kids, we need correction. That means we're going the wrong way. We need the mercy of God to correct us and bring us to the right path. All right? If the Lord ever corrects you, and understand most of the time the Lord corrects us through people. So that's what makes it challenging. But if the Lord ever corrects you, and he will, in fact, he has, he is, and he will. Period. If you're not, if you say, well, I don't really know of anything, that just simply means you're, you're resisting it. Hallelujah. But here's what, here's what ought to be the first response out of our mouths. If the Lord corrects me, thank you, Lord. Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, you're so good to me. I was, I would have run my life into the ground, but you had mercy on me to tell me how to straighten up and straighten my, my attitudes and my actions so that I wouldn't run myself into the ground. Amen. Let's practice. Thank you, Lord. Say it again. Thank you, Lord. For correction. Yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah, in Genesis 4, we've got Cain and Abel. And Cain was in one of those pivotal points in his life. And the Bible talks about, in the first part here, how, you know, Cain was a, uh, he was a farmer. Abel also, you know, had some, some cows and stuff, some animals. And they brought an offering to the Lord. Abel brought an offering. And he brought the firstborn of his flock as part of that offering. Uh, Cain brought the, the, something from the ground, from, something from his farm. And Cain's offering was not accepted by the Lord. Cain brought his offering and the Lord said, no, that's not good. Well, what should you do if that ever happens? Uh, what you did, that's not up to par. That's not acceptable. What does the proud person do? <clears throat> what? You're not accepting my offering? Not accepting my gift? Not accepting my generosity? No. The proud person will resist, fight against that, get angry, get upset, get offended. The humble person will say, how can I fix this? The humble person will say, how can I do this different? I want to bring, I want to bring an offering to you, Lord, that's acceptable. I want to do it in an acceptable manner. I want to do it the right way. Show me exactly what you want, and I'm going to change today. But how many know too often, man, the flesh rises up, pride rises up, and people won't take that humble step and say, how can I do it different? 
they're going to say, no, this is what I have. Take it or leave it. And, and, and look what happened. Uh, let's see here. Verse 5, he didn't respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. What? He was angry. He was upset. That's how pride acts. Pride is quick to get angry, quick to get upset. Naaman, the, the leper from Syria, he had the same issue, if you read over in 2 Kings. He had the same issue when the prophet told him to go dip in the Jordan seven times, go wash. He was furious. He got ticked off. I'm too good for that. I could wash in any better river than that. You're telling me to go there and do that. And his pride almost killed him. People around him in that story, uh, they talked him into it, said, just do it, man. Just go ahead. And he finally gave in. He didn't. He was healed by the Lord. But you know what kept, what got his healing to happen? Humility did. The proud person has a very difficult time receiving from people and receiving from God because it won't change. It won't adjust. It's too good to do things a certain way. It won't humble itself. Amen. I've told this recently. I don't remember what setting. But, uh, you know, I've had people, when I, and they've come to me and asked me to, to pray with them uh, for their, their healing and, and things of that nature. And I'm happy to do that. Uh, but sometimes I begin to instruct them along a certain lines. And as I begin to speak, they, you know, it's like they finish my sentence. I give them a scripture. They give me three more. And I know this person's not ready to receive. I mean, I try to work with them, but it's like they're trying to impress me with what they know. But listen, if a person's in got a bunch of problems, now's not the time to be proclaiming what you know. Because it might be even what you think you know, it's not real to you. Or there's a, just a piece of that that you're not seeing. And it's like, you know, 1 Peter 2.24 says, and they finish it for you. Well, okay, if you know so much, why do you have a problem? Does this sound harsh? <laughs> I just think sometimes we need, psh, psh, psh. we're letting our pride, I want to let you know that I know this. Well, no one's calling you a dummy. <laughs> but we should always have a bendable, teachable, changeable heart and attitude so the Lord can bring something to us. We recognize that, hey, even if I've known that for 20 years, there's probably something in there I can see better. And that, that little bit might be the thing that puts me over the top. Amen. Humble. If, you, if, if, you, if your pastor comes in and teaches a message, and you know, you feel like you know a lot about that subject, how do you approach it? Because I would encourage you, approach it like it's brand new. Man, like you're just hearing it for the first time, even though you might, you might know a ton about it. Why? There's always more in God. And sometimes it's just bringing those things back. I was doing, I was doing a series some time back. won't even tell you which one, maybe. Uh, in case I changed my mind, I put the maybe in there. I <laughs> uh, was doing a series on a particular subject, and... You know, I got reports of one person, you know, I don't know who they talked to, a staff member or an usher or something, and it's like they just totally didn't want to hear that message or that series. Like they were going to come back when that series was done. <laughs> and I think, isn't that a clue? Isn't that an indication that maybe you've got an issue along those lines? 
Maybe the Lord wants to help you in that subject, but they felt like it was a waste of their time to come and hear that subject. I just think that's capital D, dumb. Underlined, highlighted, <laughs> dumb. I mean, we ought to be smarter than that. For one, don't assume that everything is just naturally um, decided upon here. If, if you I'm just talking to our regular folks now. If you really thought that everything we did here was just naturally calculated, I'd go somewhere else. Really. I mean, if you don't have at least a degree of trust in leadership and, and pastoral ministry and so forth that they pray and hear from God, don't you, don't you want to go somewhere where they do hear from God? I would want that. At least are trying to, you know. I mean, nobody's perfect in that, but they're seeking the will of God to say what's right. And therefore, if a message comes, the first thought ought not be, oh, okay, I know that. The first thought ought to be, oh, there must be something I need to hear about that. That would be a respectful attitude towards the Lord. Amen. Well, let's try to finish here. Uh Again, with, with, with Abel, let me just go, go through a little bit here. Uh, Cain was angry. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? He said, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. The Lord was trying to help him. When correction was coming to, to Cain, what was the Lord doing? He was trying to tell him how to be accepted how to do things acceptably but instead he got angry instead he resisted it stood for his own way and then killed his brother the Lord said you have an opportunity to change here and get better or if you don't sin lies at your door he opened the door let it in came the first murderer what's at what's hinging in our lives when correction comes I don't know but oftentimes it's sin waiting at our door. It's the enemy waiting there with a baseball bat, ready to take someone, ready to take you out. But the Lord is saying, uh, 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 don't do that. Do this. Do it differently, and you'll be accepted. And we'll avoid so much trouble when we listen to Him and His direction. But again, here's what we just want: we want to see. It's the proud look, that proud heart, that hardness of heart that that resists stuff like that. And that offends me. Why does that offend you? You're proud. Hmm. That hurts. That's because it hurts a proud person. Amen. The hard clay, you know, it has to be broken. Ouch. The soft clay can just be molded. Let's be the molded kind. The soft kind. That's the humble heart. Amen. Father, thank you today for your presence and your help. We believe that you're uh, you're, you're leading us and directing us and instructing us, guiding us into all that we should say and do. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness, your kindness. Lord, we humble ourselves under your mighty hand today, believing that you'll lift us, you'll, you'll exalt us, you'll promote us, you'll bring us up into a place of, into a place of grace where your ability and divine power flows through us mightily. Thank you, Lord.